Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 138th episode of the Truth Island podcast. Silence is sometimes said to be the strongest form of wisdom. As the philosopher Ludwig Wittgenstein once noted, whereof one cannot speak, thereof one must be silent. What this quote suggests is that there are many truths out there in this world that will always exceed our form of verbal communication. When discussing higher order topics, such as the nature of the universe and God, it is almost silly to think that such things can be described with simple words. Given also that so many of our greatest questions appear to have no solid answers, one begins to even wonder why even talk or debate anything at all if you will not end up any more wiser than before you began. Silence is not just a way of admitting that one does not know. It is also a good exercise in becoming more mindful and increasing one's capacity for listening. For example, some Buddhist monks take vows of silence in order to train their mind to weed out harmful speech. This is incredibly helpful, as if you've ever found yourself having lunch with coworkers, you'll probably have noticed that the things coming out of other people's mouths, well, aren't always the nicest. As mysterious and wise as a silent person might appear, however, it would be a mistake to assume that everyone who is quiet is wise, as sometimes people choose to keep their mouth shut, not because they have nothing to say, but because they are afraid to speak up. Another moral question arises, a sin of omission, if a wise person refuses to speak when their advice may be very well needed. Joining me to cut through the silence, I am once again joined by Kenny. Kenny, do you think we can get through this entire episode in complete silence? No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great answer. You know, that the four seconds of silence answered every question I had. So well done, sir. We, we've solved the great mysteries of the universe. <laughs> oh, yeah. <Yes. laughs> All right, so um, silence, it's, uh, well, I think you, I mean, I think you said it pretty, pretty um, brilliantly. I, I mean, silence is one of those things that has a pretty mysterious, yeah, mysterious and cool rap to it, you know? The person with the meaningful stats, you know, who just um, doesn't really say much, but he communicates so much with his eyes, you know, it's like, yeah, it's it's always the coolest thing or the wise thing. It's never, but, you know, sometimes, especially, you know, like in the, um, when it comes to uh, um, like the news, you know, um, when after someone has either shut up or school or done, done something horrible to something, someone else, they always say, you know, he was always a, he was always a quiet type. <laughs> It was a silent type, you know? Um, but no, I, I think that's, it's, so silence does have, you know, it does have naturally, we, we kind of associate si- uh, silence with, with wisdom and someone who understands things and someone who is careful with their words and their speech and so forth. But it could also be, as you had mentioned earlier, that, you know, a person is silent simply because they're afraid or, or they have little to nothing to say, which is actually a pretty wise thing. If you don't have much, if you have anything to say, it's best to keep quiet. But it, there, there are other reasons for a person to be silent or, or why a person is being silent. But in doing so, they often perceive, they're often perceived as wise. And that's how the, the old proverb goes. It says, even a fool, when he is silent, is perceived as wise. Mm, yes, yes. So I want to let's talk about some of the benefits of silence. I, I think we, we should talk about the benefits first, and then we can kind of talk about some of the drawbacks. So there's that old pro- proverb, you know, we're born with two sets of ears, but one set mm. of mouth. And mm. from what I've noticed, silent people are highly observant, or at least at least some of them are right, because you can't help but observe in your silence, right. And Um, I I think this is a little bit at what the Buddhist monks are getting at, because when you're, you know, in Buddhism, the idea is to kind of not only silence your your mouth, but also to silence your mind. And people don't really understand what that means. They're like, okay, is the ultimate form of enlightenment some form of like comatose where you're not thinking, you're like brain dead? And the answer is no. But the idea is like the less you're trying to compartmentalize, 
into words, right? Like we have, we see an event and then, you know, like the, the first knee jerk reaction is to talk about it. Like you see something like, oh my God, look at this. And that's what little children do all the time. They're like, mommy, mommy, look, why is that guy doing this? Why is there doing that? Right there, the blah, 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 blah. Everything is being instantly converted into language, right? And, and that's as a result of not knowing. When you know something, you don't need to point it out. You just understand what's going on and you just internalize it. An even higher state of that is that it's not even being internalized into some kind of narrative within your mind. You're simply observing the thing and that's it. You're not even making like, oh, well, this guy's angry as a result of the fact that he broke up with his wife three months ago. You're not even creating these like crazy narratives. You're simply in a state of observation. So there's, mm. you're, 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 you're kind of transcending language to some type of degree. And when you're trying to transcend language, both silencing your mouth and your mind, you're actually able to just observe phenomena for what they are instead of like coding it with all of these narratives and all of these like stories that we tell ourselves. Well, yeah, I can see that. So we do like stories. The, the one of my thing that is a benefit to silence. Another benefit to silence is being able to being able not you know to not have to regret the things you've said because that's you know I, it's it's almost like it's better. It's almost like it's better to have. It's almost like it's better to regret what you didn't say than it is to regret the things you've said because you can't take back what you've said, but you can say what you haven't. You know, um, so it gives it gives you it gives you that perfect opportunity, or should I say, that good opportunity, to to not have to go through that ordeal of mm, yeah. you know beating yourself up with a you know something dumb or silly or or insensitive or unkind or whatever it may be that you said to somebody people yeah absolutely i think it's just a game of probability it's like the more you speak the more chances there are for you to error you know just yeah. just it's just a probability thing the less you speak the less probability there is that you're going to say something dumb because there's just less occurrences less frequency of you speaking like i i sometimes think about you know obviously you and i have recorded a lot of ourselves and thrown a lot of it out there and i'm going to be honest like i'm sure i've said some dumb stuff like there's no there's no doubt about it i'm sure there's if i listen to some earlier episode i'm like man i don't really agree with you aaron sorry sorry 2020 aaron i don't really agree with what you're saying now here in 2021 you know and i, I i'm conflicted about it because on one hand it's like I needed to say those things at that time in order to arrive at a higher level or, or a more mature level, right? So I said those things in 2020. Again, I'm, I'm sure there's nothing I said that I'm that like, oh my God, I'm so ashamed, you know, head down, you know, um, <laughs> vow of silence for the next three years. But I, I, think, I think of it and I'm like, I'm sure I've said things that are wrong or just wouldn't make sense right now, but I needed to say those things at that particular juncture, at that particular moment so that I could learn further, evolve, evolve my understanding even further. And I don't have any like regrets about that. Like I, I'm not, I, you know, I, I'm not saying like, like, you, you know, there is more probability. Like if, if somebody had me and they had another person who's recorded nothing, right? Well, the person who's recorded nothing is not guilty of saying anything dumb. However, they haven't necessarily said anything wise either. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I think it's fine to say those things, you know, in the sense of, I mean, today, it's almost like there are, it's almost like, you know, you can't, you're not allowed to make mistakes, or you're not allowed to say what you say, what you think, if what you think is contrary to popular opinion. But that's how people learn often is, I mean, people, when people hold strong beliefs or hold dogma, they strong beliefs, it's, that's a good thing is because you're human beings, they've made decisions to hold certain views. But another part of humanity is we often change our minds when, you know, it's usually privately, not publicly, privately, mm, yeah. we change our minds when, you know, when we see that things, you know, that things aren't really lining up. And making those verbal, you know, those, you know, those, those errors, quote unquote, or things that we say that, you know, we end up regretting at some point, saying them at least hopefully saying them is not so much the trouble because sometimes that's simply that's that's how we get from point a to point b that's how we learn from yeah 
the problem the problem is happening the problem is when when those things these days you know a person can say one thing and have their lives ruined forever but it's i would say that it's in in, in those cases and i should say some of those cases those 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 things said are are, are, are quite helpful yeah i want to absolutely talk about that so there is this idea that if I say anything at all, there's always a risk of me appearing dumb or ignorant or I'll embarrass myself, you know, people, first off, like, um, it takes, like, people don't realize this, anyone who's afraid of speaking up, uh, take it from me, it's really hard to get noticed. <laughs> so, you know, people think they're going to post like one thing on Facebook and then a whole like mob is going to descend upon them. And I'm like, no, 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 no. If you're not, if you're not already quasi famous, uh, chances are no one's even paying attention to what the hell it is that you're saying or doing. That, that, you know, that, that's number one. And that, and that's actually a really cool thing, by the way, because if you're famous, you have to be even more careful about what you say because you have you have the vultures flying around you waiting for you to screw up and then they, they're going to pounce on you. Whereas yeah. if you're a nobody, well, you actually get to kind of speak your mind. You know, it's kind of um, in Shakespeare, like uh, King Lear's Fool. Right. If you're if you're the fool or you're the uh, the the janitor or with a lowly position or whatever, you can speak your mind freely because they're like, oh, that's the janitor. No one cares what he has to say. But he actually gets to speak the most free. He speaks the most freely because by virtue of no one really paying attention to him, he kind of gets to speak the truth in between all of the all of the dialogue, so to speak. So that that's that that's one kind of thing you can yeah. take comfort in. You know, is just playing King Lear's fool. No one's really paying attention to what I'm saying. The other thing is, is that I, I think that you have to say some fool, like you have to get through the foolishness in order to get through the wisdom. And if you're, if you're too scared to, to, to get through the foolishness, how are you ever going to arrive at the wisdom perpetually? Like there is this line, um, I think it's by Aristotle. I'm going to butcher it. Like a man, you know, a man who stands for nothing is nothing. You know, so like if you if you never put your neck out there and say something wise or something that ends up being foolish, well, then you never really stood for anything on your time on Earth. You'll 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 get to heaven or something and be like, wow, you know, you never said anything foolish, but you never really helped anyone. You never really benefited the world. You just kind of lived in your cave and no one even knew that you ever existed. And. I don't know if that's exactly the way that we should be playing this. You know, I, you know, I would rather like some of our most incredible people, right. Our most incredible people have probably said foolish things, but because they say foolish things that like they have taken the chance so that we can hear their incredible wisdom, right? Like, like, so when they say foolish things, it allows them to eventually arrive at the point where they are saying wise things, but just from a probability standpoint, there are going to just, you know, by the roll of the dice, sometimes the things that they say are maybe not the best, the most thought out. Yeah, I mean, I think that a wise person's even the folly of a wise person is 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 better than the the wisdom of a fool. In a sense of uh, sure, I mean, if you really here's the thing about I, I don't think anybody's above mistake or reproach. So if 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 you know you really believe or if you if sure any you know you could you could always make them make the mistake on the math equation. That's fine. Yeah, but if you really believe what you what you're saying, if you understand, if you if you if you're trying to articulate your own belief or your own understanding of the world, and you, and you end up you know bumbling around and uh, saying something you believe you shouldn't have, well, that's fine. The, at the end of the day, it's better that you, I would say, you know, spoke the truth about what you believed. Um, yeah, it, it's I think it's it's better. I would say that it's better. It's it's better. But one might even argue that, okay, well, I guess it depends on the kind of person you're right? in. You know, are you a public figure who needs to say these things? Or are you, you know, are you just like us, the everyday man who has no business, nobody's listening to him. So why, <laughs> what's, you know, like, what's your deal? You know, like, you know, grab a, grab a McDonald's and shut up and eat like the rest of us. So the point is, <laughs> you know, I, I would say that there's a place for both. There's me like ESPN. For... Me like ESPN. Me like ESPN. ESPN, good. Oh, yeah. So, so I think it's, uh, I, I think there's a place for both. There's a, there's a place for the person who, like Jordan Peterson's situation, is most likely he's a very public figure. 
Um, but he's a very well thought out man. So if he and, and even if he does bumble around, I'm sure that he's the kind of person just like is you know who not that I know him personally, but I can infer from his you know um, previous his interviews and you know, talks and all that that he'll own up to his non nonsense. While there's a place where people unlike him, but who are as wise or who is under has as understanding, just should could you know refrain from saying anything at all yes because not only do they believe that nobody's listening but they don't they don't believe it's, it's almost like you know beating a beating a, a brick wall with a feather it's just not you're not really the powerhouse to take take these things on okay i want to actually talk about that bear trap for a second so i think when people speak they have this imaginary bear trap in their mind like uh oh if i if I say this wrong thing, the bear, I'm going to get caught in the bear trap. Like, I'm going to be very honest. Like when I'm editing my podcast episodes, there is a little voice of me in my head saying, uh Oh, is this, is this a bear trap or whatever? But I've noticed that like, I really need to silence that voice more often because it's really the voice of fear, right? Because I think that the voice of fear can sometimes prevent us from getting to the voice of truth, right? Because, because I, I did a, a podcast episode with my friend, Joe, um, you know, several months ago, and we talked about why don't we see more high power debates between like super intellectuals, like fighting each other, you know, like, like why, like it's always some guy talking on their own platform or whatever. Uh, you know, you, you think of like Fox News or CNN, they're never really debating one another. They're just talking in their little echo chamber to the specific audience. And you, you say to yourself, you scratch your head and say, well, why exactly is the, this the case? It's because they're all afraid of appearing foolish, right? They're, they are absolutely frightened that if they were if they were locking horns with someone of in, of equal intellectual caliber, they would get caught in a bear trap, and then they would say, "Oh my God, I'm stuck in this bear trap, and now my career is over. Everyone's gonna no, no one's ever going to listen to me again. Like I'm gonna be so publicly humiliated and spanked that no one will ever listen to my words ever, ever, ever again." And what this prevents is that it actually prevents humanity from arriving at higher truth. Our fear, our fear of falling into a bear trap actually prevents us from saying foolish things and then growing into like higher versions of ourselves. Well, you know, there's, like I said, I, I, well, I, th I think that I think that's right, because, you know, some people just need to, need to they need to say those things in order to arrive at, you know, a different conclusion and some people need to say them so that they can fully understand the weight of what they're saying but we're, we're living in a world where that's just not possible because the things you say now are well traps you know they they will either come by i i i heard recently i forget who it was i think i don't know if it was kevin kevin hart but somebody had um come under fire for something they had tweeted many many years ago yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that makes no sense. That's like a father spanking, or it's if I, it's actually worse than that because you have no authority over the person that he, and you never had authority over the person. But I'll, I'll, the, I'll continue. It's like it's like a father spanking a child, you know, in his thirties when he finds out the boy took a cookie when he was five. Oh yeah, Dad, remember that one cookie you said I shouldn't take? Well, I took it. I'm sorry. Like, okay, now you know. Well, you're gonna get spanked, son. It's like, okay, what the? <laughs> it's silly because you don't, you don't, um, especially when you're not, when you're not, you know, a policing authority. This is not, this is not the jungle. We're not. This is not um, the jungles of Madagascar. So we we can't go around, you know, punishing, um, punishing one another for, um, uh, for things we deem wrong. That's why that's why that's why the law is there. But the most the most people get in trouble these days for the things they say and so people are very afraid to say things and that's why if you if you really pay attention everybody sounds the same all artists sound the same these days news anchors sound the same um even um, um fox news with all their pump and glory still have certain things that they just can't say now at the end of the day people are starting to lose their um individuality starting to lose their own language, their own speech patterns, their own under, their own minds, and molding molding themselves into this, you know, um, 
okay, everybody take it easy kind of speech, you know? I'm getting very, you know, I'm getting slightly worried. I wasn't so worried about this in 2016, 17, 18, 19, you know, that? and that's obviously cancel culture. I, I try not to be too political on this podcast, but I feel like this is an issue that we really need to kind of address in the sense that if we silence speech, right, if, if we silence it, we're mm. denying people the roots of, like, we're, we're denying them the seeds of growth. And that's the thing that kind of scares me the most, right? Now, if somebody is saying something like hateful or whatever, okay, it's another it's another type of category of speech. But if someone says something that's just unwise or dumb, if we don't allow them to kind of just ask that question or kind of articulate that thought, then they'll never grow because they'll just they'll just be silent and afraid and they'll never they'll never see where it is that 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 leads and i'll give you an example of this let's just say for example i believe in aliens okay let's just pretend for a moment that's a thought of mine that i pretend that that, that i believe in aliens right sure if, sure we will right right now <laughs> now if i never get to like express that point of view right if i yeah. never actually get to go out into the public forum and and say that well then i can never exactly follow that thought to its natural terminus, right? So like maybe maybe I believe in aliens, but I come across this really awesome scientist who just puts me in my place. And I'm like, man, I, I can see why my thinking was a bit fuzzy. Like I, I've, I've arrived at that level. But if I'm silenced, I never get to actually reach the terminus or the end point in which I realize that the ideas that I had were foolish. That's, that's the nature of free discussion is because if you have bad ideas, you put them, you put them to the test and then they either get validated or they get rejected. But if you're silenced, you never actually have that opportunity to do that. And you never get to actually realize if the thoughts in your head are genius or if they're just like utter complete nonsense. Well, of course, I mean, I think you can because you don't you don't necessarily have to go around, you know, saying saying those ideas before before you before you before, even before you know they're silly or before you know that they are um, or genius or not. This is why it's this is why it's super important for us to have our own, you know, I mean, how do I say, our own thinking lives in the sense of we actually scrutinize what we what we think. Because if if you if you already if you already let's just say you spent the first first few minutes of your life um, sorry of the morning thinking about you know what you were going to say at uh, you know at, uh, at a certain speech and you found out you said whoa whoa this is a bit too uh, this is just this is just not good this is just not great and you you scratched it off well congratulations you're a wise man you figured it out before somebody had to tell you. And you know you didn't go through the embarrassments of experiencing the um, the awkward silences or whatever the hell uh, would have happened. But I think you're right still in the sense of yes, it's not a very good thing. And um, wherever there is fear, human beings just don't thrive. There's not a fear has to do more with survival than it does with thriving. And what happens is. There is a certain kind of, and this is, it's not just that, because this is, there's a philosophical problem as well as a, a um, I wouldn't say, there's a philosophical problem as well as a, a national problem. Uh, yeah, because this is, this is the United States of America. It's, a, it's one of the greatest nations ever, you know, and it's, it's, it, the foundation of this country is one, is one of those things. It's being able to say um, freely, what one is thinking, even if it is in fact hateful, unkind, and wicked, who gives a damn? You have, as you not, there's no, nobody has natural rights, but you do have national rights. And this is what separates America from a lot of other nations. So this is the one place that people can say what they want to say. And they, they could for a very long time say what they want to say. And well, if you, if you agree with them, you stand up and you clap. If you don't, you say, Nope, I don't. And you, you may you might chuck a tomato or two, but <laughs> the point is simply, I, it's a dangerous thing. It's just it's not even dangerous. It's it's childish. But when when adults start behaving like children, it's it, that's that's when it gets dangerous because we can actually drive. 
I like what you're saying, and I, I, I want to maybe frame it in a slightly different way, but I, I, like, I like the sentiment. So imagine you are a silent type and you try and arrive at all the answers internally, right? You're like, well, I'm going to figure it all out on my own, right? And there, there is, to play devil's advocate with that a little bit, though, you are ascribing supreme importance to your own ego. You're like, well, if I can't figure it out, then no one else can. Whereas maybe you're just at a coffee shop and you express your viewpoints and somebody else who's had an alternative life than you, right? They just, they've had a different set of, of experiences. They're able to poke a hole that never in a million years you would have arrived at at yourself. You know, that's, that's why, um, you know, this is why I, I love reading books so much because there's only so much truth that I'm going to discover in my own life, right? Like for example, I have never fought in war. So I'll never know what that truth is. I'll never know what the truth of fighting in war is because I've never actually participated in that myself. But if I read a book or I speak to a veteran they can bring me a truth that I myself throughout the course of my natural life will never come across. And that's, that's a, there's a beautiful thing in that. And that means that you do have to kind of sacrifice your own ego a bit and say, Hey, there are people that have lived experiences that are radically different than that of my own. And they might be able to bring some truth to the table that there's no way on left to my own devices. I'll be able to discover. No, I think that makes sense. It's not, it's not a matter of thinking that one can figure everything out on his own, but doing one's best to do to figure out what you can figure out. And the rest, well, the rest is the rest, you know? It's not, this is one of those things that, you know, you know, I don't think people should, so for the person who's trying to figure things out, shouldn't take it, they shouldn't take it too seriously because at the end of the day, it's 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 taking things like this too seriously that those kinds of um, those kinds of impulses that turns that makes us how you say you know very well not just unpleasant to be around but uh, well then yeah the ego that's where the ego comes in you know so it's a matter of doing doing the best you can and and understanding it I mean not sort of not understanding but doing the best you can and you know finding out what you can while at the same time knowing that, you know, what you can't catch, that's what your mates are there for, that's what books are there for, that's what films are there for, that's what conversations are there for, you know, and so forth. So, um, yeah, uh, absolutely, I think you're right. Okay, I wanna put two theoretical people against each other and I wanna hear what you have to say about this, okay? Mm -hmm. All right, in the left corner, we have, in the left corner, we've got super wizard monk. Who never super talks. We got mm. super wizard monk, and he has just taken a vow of silence, and he only listens. He only listens. Highly precocious, highly observant, just observes the world around him. Doesn't mm. say anything. Just everything mm. goes in. He sees. He sees the nature of man. Sees the nature of the animal kingdom. Everything is just an observation to him, and he doesn't actually pass any judgment on it. Okay, that's yeah. in the left corner. In the right corner. We have a guy who, I'm not, he doesn't go blah, 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 blah. Like he's not crazy, right? But he does speak a lot and he does, yeah, and he does quite often say some foolish stuff. He says some mm. foolish stuff here and there. However, mm. when, he, when, when it's pointed out that he says foolish stuff, he mm. reflects on it and he changes his opinion. Who do you think is wiser, silent wizard monk or a guy who talks says foolish stuff from time to time but reflects upon it okay well based on based on the constraints you've given me you've given me a lot of constraints aaron um yeah, i got you i got you tied down to a chair man uh, you know super <laughs> binary right now <laughs> would you like this super awesome donut yeah or it's 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 gonna be clam chowder or clam chowder <laughs> 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 no, so I obviously I think it's the uh, it's the it's the other bollocks the the guy who is who is you know who's just a chatting guy who has at least enough self awareness to say well I couldn't know possibly know how wise the monk is so it's kind of like you know is the is like a, is a Schrodinger's cat the you know the cat is both dead and alive so the monk is both ri- ridiculously dumb and ridiculously wise. <laughs> <laughs> So I can't. It's like that. Um, 
I'm thinking of that show. I don't know if you ever saw it, The Good Place, where there's this character. He's like a monk, and for like the first season, he's completely silent, and then yes. he starts. And then he starts opening his mouth, and he's incredibly dumb. Right? He's incredible. <laughs> Brilliant. That's exactly yes. That's exactly what it's like. It's like when he's silent, he's both and. You know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But at least this other guy, I know what I'm dealing with, you know. So um, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the other guy, the 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 the, um, the Gabby, the, the the gift of Gab. But I I think you've put an but it is like Schrodinger's cat because you're right. There is that possibility that that silent monk knows something that no one else knows. That, that you might you might you're actually you actually you actually threw a nice monkey wrench into my example. Well, well done. So like that silent monk dude might know something that uh, the rest of us mortals don't know. That that there is that possibility. I think for us average mortals though, I think this this ugly messy process of trial and error is the closest we're ever going to get. And 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 here's why. I I, I think that just as I said earlier, we kind of have to weigh our personal experiences with that of other people. And a, a really good example of this is like, if you even take Siddhartha, the, the Buddha, for example, right? In his early days, he grew up in his father's palace. He saw no sickness. He saw no starvation. He saw no like poverty. He saw none of these things. If Siddhartha had just left his view of the world to his own eyes, to what he had seen, to what he had heard, he would have a very, 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 very limited uh, concept of reality, right? And it would be a completely, in a way, it would actually be a very narcissistic, egocentric view of reality. It's like, whatever I see and whatever I hear is all that there is. It's not until you actually get into these messy verbal fisticuffs that you actually get to, your reality begins to bend based upon what other people are saying and you you roll around in the mud and you look very foolish but i think i think that's kind of like the joy of life in a way yeah there's a a quote that i like all actual life is encounter so all life is meeting in the sense of who said um, that this is um a guy named uh, Martin Buber. Nice. I think he's a German guy. Um, not entirely sure, you know, um, what he what he did or does. He's probably dead now. Dead. Um, but I think you're right. All you know, it's about encountering other people and finding out and, and seeing. That's how we kind of. That's how. That's how. That's how we all learn. We bang our bang our heads into the tree. And we say, okay, I just encountered the tree. It's there. That's what's there right now. You know, kids encounter. That's why you know, always using your little greasy little paws, trying to touch everything. They're trying to meet those things. They're trying to, you know, um, um, extend themselves towards those things. And even as, and then growing up, they we they lean on their parents to explain things when they meet when they when they meet new strangers. They're always pointing rudely at them and saying, "Who's that, mommy?" Well, yeah, it's a it's a stranger honey but the the no I, I think I think you're right I think it's 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 not necessarily you know it's not it doesn't have necessarily have to be egotistical but it's not really it's not really the best way to go about life mm. some people some people just don't have how you say the you know I, I don't want to make excuses for people but I know that life is not easy I just I know that and yeah. some people just don't have the the ease, you know, to be around other people or or the, the privilege of having, you know, close friends and stuff like that. So it's it's kind of it's kind of strange, but others are some of them are just very, you know, self self-centered, egotistical bastards who just don't want to be around anybody. I actually I love that quote. Can you say it again with the encounter? It was a really good quote. Uh, like life is encounters. Oh yes, all actual life is encounter. Okay. That quote actually reminds me of something that the great philosopher Joe Rogan once said. <laughs> and and he said that the reason he is, man. Yeah, he is. He is a smart guy. I love, mm -hmm. I love Joe Rogan. He he said something interesting that 
it, it's like with jujitsu, for example, you have mm -hmm. all of these like tough guys who will walk into the dojo um, and they think they're, they think they're like some kind of God. They think they're invincible. They, they flex their big ass bicep and they think that they're remarkable. But then when they actually start rolling with someone on their ground and they get their ass kicked, only then does wisdom like begin, right? It's only, it's only when all of, it's only when you're stripped down of your clothes and you're no longer, your, your God complex is completely stripped down that you can actually start learning something, right? Because l let's just say I live in my apartment and I think that I have all of the answers. I think I have all of the answers. I know everything that there is to know. Well, how do I know that until I actually practice verbal jujitsu with somebody and get stripped down and, 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 you know, and my holes are exposed. Well, you don't even have to go that far. Let me, so human beings are very interesting and this happens to all of us. Eventually we think that we are, you know, invulnerable and, uh, you know, um, amazing, but that's fine. That's <laughs> fine. But let me, let me, let me put something in perspective for you humans. You know that that person who walks into the gym, you know, or the 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 ring, flexing him, flexing his muscles and being all tough, <laughs> or you know, the woman who thinks she's the most beautiful thing since you know Cleopatra. <laughs> Let me tell you, tell you this: at some points in your life, actually, once a day, every day, you know, all your life, you have gone to a porcelain bowl, sat down and squeeze for dear life, squeeze brown goop out of your butthole. And that's, that's the <laughs> image. That's, that's who, that's you. That's, you know what I mean? Like that's what you've done, okay? <laughs> so don't come here acting like you walk on water, you don't because we all poop. At the end of the day, all human beings are connected by one unkind reality. We all take dumps. And it is shameful. <laughs> we all look ridiculous doing it. No one, no one is above it. And it's 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 <laughs> it's a good reminder next time you think you're God that you poop. <laughs> I, 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 you know, as as ludicrous as that sounds, you're absolutely correct. I think that. So I'm kind of torn between two things, and and I think we might be um, sort of spiraling into another discussion altogether. But there's this idea of of solitude versus socialization at play here, yes. right? Yes. Okay. Now, there's two types of people. Like there, there's two extremes of this, and both are equally dangerous. The first is our holy monk who thinks that he is special. He thinks that he's like a God. He thinks that he doesn't poop when he really does poop and he lives yes. completely alone. And he thinks that he's invincible and he thinks he has access to pure divine genius. Okay, that's one end of the spectrum. But then we have examples of people in our society who are over, overly socialized. Mm. And you usually find these types of people in corporations, right? Because every time they're like, are you guys getting lunch? Are you going to Chipotle? Let me go ahead and sit down. Right? Like they're what would I call the overly socialized types because they actually don't have an inner citadel. They don't have any quiet solitude. They don't have any reflection time. They're just constantly bending to the knee of the people around them. And, and I think that both of these extremes are highly dangerous. The, the super solitude guy who thinks he's God, highly dangerous, right? Because he's not actually wrestling with anyone in the ring, but I think the overly socialized type just accepts whatever, whatever the, the majority of people are saying around him, he accepts that to be absolute truth. So if the majority of his coworkers say something, he just accepts that that's true and doesn't really put up that much of a fight because he thinks that he's so insignificant that the group must always be correct. And who is he to dare challenge what, you know, Ted in marketing is telling him, right? I think both of those extremes are highly dangerous because you're, you're not really seeing reality for what it is. Well, you know, I think, yeah, they're both antisocial behaviors in the sense of one is, one thinks, you know, being a lot more antisocial, just not being there, period. While the, <laughs> other one, <laughs> while the other one is being a little bit too friendly, too social. And because of that, people don't really want to be around that person or they actually, they're not really there. It's almost like they're, they're just, they take they're, they're like um what's that thing called play-doh 
they take the shape and form of any social group they're in. Or they have no backbone. The backbone. They have no, no spine. Yeah. yeah, no spine. So they're molded. They're moldable. And so what happens is, at the end of the day, they're not really being individuals. They're just clumps of flesh that are there to repeat the right things, or to affirm the right things, and to um, and to you know um, um, push away the wrong things and and whatever it is that you know that group is for they're for it and if whatever that group is not for it you know it's not for he or she is not for it so um but you find these kinds of you find these kinds of people anywhere everywhere um the best one of the best ways to one of the best ways to deal with things like this or, or should I, I don't know if people really do things in try to fix this because you know whenever people are like either one of these they really like, like to some extent, they enjoy being that thing until it until it's unbearable. But I like when you said earlier about the person not having any social, you know, the second person not having any, you know, alone time to figure out who the hell they actually are, um, while the other person has a little bit too much alone time and doesn't have an opportunity or to express to express, you know, love and kindness and the good things that humans need. Because I, I, I see, I think that in my 20s, I may have been a little bit too overly, overly socialized, right? And then like, you know, I was very, I was a bit more dependent on what my coworkers thought of me. I was a little bit more dependent on what friends thought of me. So I, I was, I would say that I was leaning more in the over socialized direction. And, you know, we as humans are very black and white. So we tend to overcorrect things so like okay right right yeah we always you know so then that would be followed by like you know months of solitude or whatever you know or whatever it is you know as close as i could get it so it's very it's a very difficult juggling act to get that perfect balance of like okay i might be starting to go off here on the deep end I gotta, I gotta anchor myself with some humans, right? I gotta, I gotta anchor myself. Like I'm a balloon right now. I need to anchor myself to the ground a little bit here. But if they're, if gravity is becoming a little too fierce, well then I need to let go of fly away a little bit, you know? So it, it's, it, it's something that we have to just be very mindful of of all times. We have to ask ourselves, you know, am I being too socialized right now? Am I speaking without thinking? I think that's like the first thing. Like if this was a you know, a disease of sorts, like the first symptom would be speaking without thinking. I think, I think if you're becoming over-socialized, that's the first thing. There's not even a pause in what it is that you're saying. You're just, you're just spurting it out. And I, and again, I think that if you're spending too much time alone, then you might also want to ask yourself another set of questions of like, when was the last time I got a burger with some friends? <laughs> you know, like it could be something as simple as that. And, and it's difficult because we as humans love extremes. We suck. We absolutely suck at maintaining proper balance. Yes. I, <laughs> yes. Yes, we do, don't we? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, this, I think one last thing I wanted to say before we close out here. Um, so I, I think the last advice that we need to give is I think we need to, and I think we did this throughout the episode, is dispel the myth of the wise silent monk. Like I, I think, I think that that is something that is more mythology than it is actual reality. Mm. But at the same time, I think we need to remind people of the dangers of of becoming over socialized. Like I, I, I think that they're like each can kind of learn from one another because as you, because what you described is equally as dangerous as the silent monk, whereas all speech starts to sound identical and that's highly dangerous. And the reason that all speech starts to sound identical is because you're hanging around people too much. It's like the ultimate form of collectivism where, where it's like your speech is no different than comrade Bob's speech over here. And, yes. and, and that's, that's extremely dangerous as well. So, you know, as to whether silence is wisdom, I, I, I think it's, I think it's selective silence that is the true wisdom, like knowing when to be silent and then knowing when to speak. Yeah, I mean, wisdom is wisdom and silence is simply, and wisdom is sometimes sometimes expressed in silence. Yeah. But silence is just silence on its own. It doesn't really mean much. 
because um, there's also the other thing is is that there's also a giant sin of omission that's going on because let's say you're hanging around people and they're speaking incredibly dangerous they're, they're espousing incredibly dangerous ideas mm-hmm. if you just stay silent you're also committing a sin of omission right you're you're allowed yeah. there might be something mm-hmm. terrible that's going on what do you want us to do? <laughs> you want us to get up and you want us to get up and fight ten people about? <laughs> Have you ever been in a place where there's like five or ten people talking about one thing, one thing that you know is crazy talk? You just know it's crazy talk, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and it's and and I mean, what what are you gonna do? What's what's the point? I mean, I I I. I what are you going to do in a situation like that? You know, it's not always so, I don't think it's always so simple to, to challenge ideas. Like if it's, if it's a proper debate, absolutely, please. Yeah. But if you're dealing with, if you're dealing, if you're dealing with a, a group of people who are, who think fundamentally different thoughts than you do and feel fundamentally different, you know, um, different feelings about certain topic topics or people than you do, it's, ridiculously difficult to challenge them in that moment and the question now is even and if even if and let's just say in spite of the difficulty is it even is it the right thing to do is it the is it do you you catch me drift yeah i i i i hear you on this and i'm going to use a rather extreme example and yeah and it's you know i've i've visited uh, you know, both the the Holocaust Museum in New York and in Israel, and they said that the biggest reason for the Holocaust was silence. Like it was just absolute silence and just submissiveness to that. Now, again, I, I'm going in the most extreme direction, and. Mm if some guy went against like 50 Nazis and said, hey guys, I don't really think this is a really good idea. <laughs> you know, right? Like it would be game over for them. But there's this, there's this good argument to be made that yeah. before it gets to that extreme level, you sure. gotta start speaking up. You gotta start speaking up and you gotta start fighting these very negative and pernicious ideas before they actually have a, a foothold in society. And I think that's incredibly wise knowledge that we have to take with us. So if I'm sitting at a table with 10 people who disagree with me and there's nothing that I can say or do to change their mind, one might argue, man, that's an exercise in futility, Aaron. You're arguing with indoctrinated people and nothing you say or do is going to change their mind. But maybe I need to speak up in a different forum, or maybe I need to speak up in a different arena with other like-minded people so we can kind of combat that sort of pernicious thought before it actually i see what you mean that makes sense yes i see yes absolutely no because if you think about if you um what's his name churchill was totally against um um, fascism from the very beginning he he, he could smell he could smell the trouble coming miles away you know but no one listened to him and so you know well that's a different story Right. So I, I think that like we, you know, we can't, we, we don't have, sometimes in life, we don't have the luxury of playing the role of the why silent type, because if we just stay silent, well, then an atrocity might, might actually occur. I'm not saying that that's the case right now, but it has a way of just creeping up on you. It, do, it does have this magical way of just creeping up creeping on you. And the, the same yeah. example applies in like Stalinist Russia. Again, like Stalin wasn't a big bad wolf right away. Like he didn't become like the big bad wolf immediately. It just, it just constantly, oh, they're not saying anything. I'm going to push my luck a little further. Oh, they're not saying anything. I'm going to push a little harder and a little harder and a little harder and a little harder. And then before yeah. you know it, now you really can't speak up. And, well, yeah, it's not ahead. like you're dealing with. It's not like you're dealing with, you know, um, with the silence wise types in in Stalin's Russia. You, would, I mean, I mean, I, I would say that these situations, these even with even with the even with the um, with the Germans, these these situations were very being the wise silent type all the time. Is it just? I mean, it's not like it just stops being wise. It's yes. like there's a time for these. Things. There's a, there's a time to speak up, and there's a time. Thank you, Proverbs. In, in, in Proverbs, <laughs> it goes like this: that there's a time to speak up and there's a time to remain silent. You know, there's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. There's a time to gather stones and a time to cast away your stones. The point is simply that there's a balance. 
when it's the wise man who can understand when it's time to do the right thing and um <clears throat> and what that right thing may be um so i think you're right the silence the the whole silent monk treatments for for all you know forever it's not really it's not really the way to go because it, it seems to lack so much well common sense um and and it seems to it seems to uh, it seems it seems to to lose wisdom in doing so. How about this? I this other I I have one other idea before we close yeah. out because we are approaching the hour mark, and and this is this is an idea that I have and I I espoused it in a meetup a long time ago, and I have this idea called polite friction. Okay, polite friction. And let's just say I'm talking with 10 people, totally indoctrinated, totally drinking the Kool-Aid. Maybe there's like a way I can communicate with them through polite questioning. Like, huh, would you mind telling me how that works? Or what happens if the guy does this? Or is it possible that that happens? And you're right, maybe they, these folks are you know, completely indoctrinated. But I think also applying some polite friction of like, oh, you know, that's interesting. Or how to, at least you've planted a seed. Like they're not gonna bow down and get on one knee and say, you have changed my mind, good sir. But you've planted, you've planted a little invisible seed of doubt in their ideology. So this is another tactic that I don't see being used at all. I, I see two heavyweight fighters slugging it out and no one changing their mind. But maybe this idea of polite friction, just just polite yeah. like questioning and just like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a little confused, but I, I see what you're saying or whatever might be the way to go. And, and I think we need a lot more of that kind of um, discussion in, in our discourse as well. Oh, I think that makes sense. There's nothing like a, you know, getting someone to answer answer questions they themselves have been terrified to ask. Yes, yes, and but it has to be done with tact. You know, it has to be done yes, with tact, and 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 done in a way of like I'm not. Like, I think people are so afraid of being embarrassed. I think that's what they fear above all else. And if you say something in such an aggressive way that it's going to cause that person humiliation, you're going to lose. No, even if you're right, you're going to lose. So you yeah. have to do it in such a way where their ego is still left intact, but you've planted some seeds of doubt that you'll never, and, and it's kind of like planting a tree that you'll never see to grow to, to full full age, right? You'll be long dead, but that, that you plant that seed and then that tree eventually grows into a full tree for further generations to enjoy. It's the same thing with polite friction. You plant a seed and you never get to reap the rewards of seeing that person fully change their mind and become fully converted. But maybe mm. after you're long gone or, or months or years later, those seeds of doubt that you planted eventually spring up and it cr and it completely dismantles and destroys the entire ideology. Oh yeah. 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 Well, Kenny, I know we weren't silent, but I, I think we needed some words in order to solve this problem. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Aaron. This concludes the 138th episode of the Truth Island podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod.